you're listening to episode 59 of The STEM Space. I just finished Invention Convention with my students, and I have so many takeaways. Even if you're not planning on doing Invention Convention, tune in to hear how you should be motivating your students and ways to help them regulate their emotions in STEM. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. All right, Claire, everybody's dying to know, how did Invention Convention go? Uh, uh, first off, I survived, so that that is probably Big the win. best way to summarize that. But honestly, it was an amazing event, and I encourage anybody who has ever even thought of doing a big project to tackle Invention Convention with their students. So if you have not heard the first part of this conversation, go back to the previous episode and hear about how we prepped and how you can get involved in Invention Convention. But we just had it last week, and I am excited to talk about it. Okay, let's start with how was it right before? Was everybody kind of stressed out? Were they nervous? How were your students and you feeling? They showed up and were so panicky and nervous that I was really worried that it was all going to fall apart. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, several of my students, I... I really thought that a few of my students wouldn't even show up with a project. I thought this might be really embarrassing. I invited eight judges to come and help judge in two different categories. So I had third and fourth graders as one category that we're going to have four judges. And then I had fifth through seventh graders with four different judges in the afternoon. So they're done at different times. And I really was nervous, <laughs> one for my own pride, I guess, if Judges would show up and be like, wow, this is right. embarrassing. <laughs> but, but they pulled it off. And I even had one team. It was a uh, two girls on one team. They made t-shirts. And so it looked like Shark Tank. Like they walked in with their matching shirts of their invention that they didn't make themselves. Like they had made Dang. Shirts. What? <laughs> yes. It said invention convention on the front. And on the back, it had the name of their invention, which was Flavor Chew. I was like, wow, gosh, they're going places. (laughs) Seriously, it was it was incredible. And the things that I got out of watching my students do invention convention were different than I anticipated. So I've done science fair before, which I Mm -hmm. know a lot of teachers have done. And honestly, we've talked about this in the last episode, don't like science fair, it's way too cookie cutter. And the kids are just like, I found this in a book. And look, I made carnations turn different colors by putting them in different food coloring water. It's missing the passion. It really is. But this, they show up and they have, it's their idea. They did everything from thinking about it to making it come alive. And it made them come alive. I have one student and I wish I knew more about how to teach kids that are a little bit different, maybe some special needs or on the, on the spectrum. I'm learning more about that. I don't have a lot of experience, but I have one student who I'm pretty sure he's undiagnosed, but has some sort of differences in his learning capabilities. And he has done 
zero work in my class, like never talks. He's always just like playing. I, I haven't figured out how to get him to do the things I ask him to do. He hadn't even taken his project home until the weekend before because his mom came up and got it. And I honestly didn't even put him on the chart of where to set up the projects because I thought he doesn't have anything. He hasn't done anything. So, you know, I'm not going to put a spot there for him because I'd have to add a whole nother table just to fit his project. So he doesn't have one. So he shows up with a a board. And I was thinking, oh, "Oh, look, his mom did something for him. When it's his turn to present, this is going to be pretty sad. Natasha, this kid got up and he presented. I have never heard him talk in a sentence before. He spoke as if he were on Shark Tank so eloquently and so proud of his project and knew every detail from how much it cost to how much he would sell it. It was a blanket that would prevent bugs from landing on you but it also wouldn't make you hot. So you could use it in the summer. It was to protect you from bugs if you didn't want to spray bug spray, but also didn't want to get hot. Wow. And so you'd use this blanket. I was like, that's a pretty good idea. And he- And what grade is he? Third grade. Oh my gosh. I'm getting goosebumps. This is crazy. Yes. Me and his teacher were staring at each other like, "Who, who is this? And so from that, I was like, this is what- how we should be teaching him. He should be given more authority on the ideas and maybe even be teaching the lesson himself. So Mm -hmm. giving him a role in, Hey, you master this concept. I want you to to teach this other group of students how to do it. And if we get him at the board, like maybe that would be what it is that, that helps him. So it just blew me away. Some of these, the ways that this project brought students to where they really should be in their own learning, mastery of their own learning. Yeah. And I guess it allows for differentiation because they take on ownership and then push it as far as they are capable of. And you had no idea that like what this kid could accomplish. And I wonder if he was just bored or checked out or whatever reason he wasn't participating, but this just gave him So how did he feel afterwards? Did you talk to him after the presentation? I haven't yet. I won't see him until a couple more days until I have class with him. And we're going to do a debrief on Invention Convention. And I really want to see what his takeaways were and see how we can can use that. Because I want him to be able to realize, hey, look what you did. Look at what you are capable of. I want to help you in that. So first you need to identify it. And then we'll, we'll use that from now on. So I'm really disappointed that we didn't do this in the fall semester so that we could have, could have learned more, but unfortunately it always happens in the spring. So with all the students this week, we'll be doing a debrief on invention convention because I want them to see that it doesn't just stop at the competition. You win, you lose, that's it. I want them to see that the goal was not their judging score. Exactly. (laughs) So We talked about that a little bit in the last episode, but I'm really excited to go through what happens next. Like, how do you take your idea to the next level? I want you to keep thinking of ideas and what you can do with them. And this kind of goes hand in hand with a lot of what I've been learning in grad school about educational psychology. And we've talked a little bit about motivation and how, what motivates students in episode 19 of this podcast. That was a long time ago. That was. 
<laughs> so I don't know if you remember that, Natasha, but nope. I have learned a lot about what motivates students through this invention convention that I'm excited to put into practice more. So Natasha, we have talked about behavioral learning theory mm-hmm. in the past. Episode 13 was about behavioral learning theory. Do you remember what that is about? So behavioral learning theory is more about skills. So teaching kids to be better at maybe collecting data or creating bar graphs or even problem solving, going through the design process. So that's what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And to reinforce those skills, we usually have some sort of reward system. That right. with that. Exactly. You, you reward the good behavior so that it happens again. And then you punish bad behavior so it doesn't happen again. And a and, lot of modeling, right? And so yes. showing them how it should be done. But you're right. It's all about the positive reinforcement. That's right. And that works great when you have a skill or something that's mechanical, like some sort of task that there's a, if you do this, then this will happen. Well, in STEM, how much of that do we do? It depends on the class. <laughs> it's true. But I usually have more of a creative component, more open-ended, think outside the box. You really need to use your brain to actually process and solve a problem, not just mechanical, make this, this way, follow instructions. Yeah. Yeah. So rewards, that gets complicated because the science shows that rewards do not work when you're doing think outside the box problems. Have you noticed this? Exactly. And we've done a podcast on praise and praising Mm -hmm. students and that actually, this is getting into the type of motivation, right? So if they're intrinsically motivated and they want to do it for themselves versus they're just trying to get that gold star or that pizza party or the grade. Yes, exactly. So the question is, how do we get our students to be more intrinsically motivated versus wanting those extrinsic rewards? And that gets really complicated when you do certain projects or you're doing something for a grade because that that can be that extrinsic reward of you want the good grade, but we don't want you to be focused on that. And that is so complicated. So with Invention Convention, that was part of my problem is, yes, there is judging and there is going to be rewards and the top finalists get to move on and advance to the next competition. But I don't want you to be doing it for that reason. So I was trying to figure out first, how do you motivate a student to be intrinsically motivated? And second, what do I, what does that look like in my STEM classroom? So did you make any progress? I did. And a lot of it just had to do with how I worded things, Hmm. which words are so powerful and we know that, but putting that into practice is really difficult when you're a teacher. And there's this video, I don't know if you've seen it, Natasha, it's by Daniel Pink. And he did this research study mostly on adults and how in the workplace, how they are motivated. And it showed that when, just like we're talking about, when you reward people with, hey, if you make this really awesome idea, you're going to get paid a lot more money. That actually doesn't work. <laughs> so you're actually undermining that intrinsic motivation and people freak out. And so I've noticed this with my students. If I say, hey, if you get the best idea, then you're going to uh, have an invention and a patent and have this big company and they can't do it because it's too, too big. It's not how you intrinsically motivate students. But this video and what I found is true points out that there are three 
motivators that do motivate people. Mm, Okay. Tell me more. The first one is autonomy. So that means people being able to do things on their own and not because they're told to do it. That's a hard thing to do as a teacher. Yeah. You want to be in charge. It's like, well, how do you assign something without assigning something? (laughs) Right. So there's this study that was done on this company, this Australian software company called Atlassian. And what this company does is once a year, they give all their employees 24 hours to do, to work on whatever they want. They just can come up with whatever project they want to tackle. And then they get to show it off at the next day. They don't, they can stop the work on whatever they were supposed to be working on and just do whatever. And at first people were like, well, that seems really counterproductive because then you're stopping the actual work that needs to be done. But they found that after that 24 hours, they had so many new ideas and accomplished so much more because the employees got to do what they wanted to do. And that's actually something Google does. I remember reading about that, that employees are allowed maybe 10% of their hours to be on whatever project or new idea. And we'll have to pull the study, but there are so many things that there weren't planned to develop, but it's from that bonus time that people just kind of came up with these creative approaches. So that makes a lot of sense. It's counterproductive. Like as a boss, you're like, I'm not going to give you do whatever because you're like, they're just going to be on their phone watching TikTok. You know, who knows? Because there's not like a clear deliverable, right? But I, I can see how it just lets you just be free. I mean, that's the creative process. Right. And I know that so many of us just have had things in the back of our heads that were like, oh, if I had, if I had the time, I would love to explore this more. Or what if this is the real problem? I'd like to, to figure out a solution to this, but we just don't take the time to do it or not offered that ability to do that. Invention convention, I feel like can be that if you present it to the students that way. And that's what I hoped to do, be like, hey, there's something out there that you would love to learn more about and do something with. This is your this is your opportunity. Your assignment is open-ended here, but I'm here to guide you through it. Right. So I know this is also something that your sister has been working on is something along these lines, right? Yeah, uh, that's a good connection. So my sister is working for the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy. Uh, She is, so her background, she's actually a previous podcast episode. I interviewed her as part of the Space Club Career Chat, so you can listen to that episode. But basically, she has a PhD in bioengineering from MIT, so she's pretty smart. (laughs) But she has gotten a fellowship where she gets to work in Washington, D.C. First, she worked at the State Department, and then she convinced them to do this kind of fellowship with OSTP. And what's cool is she has the freedom to work on whatever she wants. So it's to your point, nobody said you have to do this policy or figure out how to get this law pushed through or research this. They were like, what's a problem that we should tackle that we could, from a national perspective? And so she has been very concerned, like we all have been with COVID and Mm -hmm. kind of getting through this pandemic. And she was reading a lot about indoor air quality and how improving our indoor air can reduce COVID-19 transmission. And that has a lot to do with the air filters we use, the amount of people in buildings. And there's some very actionable things that schools and companies and malls, you know, can do 
to reduce transmission. So she pitched this idea to her boss who reports to the White House and he was like, sounds good. And so she went off and started researching it. And what's so amazing at this idea took off, there's a whole team now supporting her in developing it. And they have um, kind of this big webinar media event happening tomorrow. And they're discussing, she actually came up with a report and said, here's what you can do as a facility to reduce the transmission of COVID-19. And there was this expert I saw that, I think it was Johns Hopkins, and was like, this is exactly what we need to do. And it was just from her having the freedom to come up with an idea. So that's incredible. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. So we'll definitely have to link to that. Hopefully there'll be a recording because this is. And there's a report. Yeah, there's a whole report that she wrote um, with the team. And so we can definitely link that. And it's very relevant to schools. So these are, is meant to be for the public to implement right now, how you can improve the air quality in your home and your school and wherever you go. That's amazing. So yeah, no telling what we can accomplish if we're just given the time and support to be autonomous. Yeah. So yeah, I love that. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the other two motivators that are recommended for these type of think outside the box activities. The other one is mastery. So if students are motivated by mastering something, being in charge of their own learning, they're more likely to do it. So For example, find something interesting to them and they'll want to learn more. So that's intrinsic motivation because they want to learn instead of you telling them what to learn about. So obviously your sister wanted to figure this out. So she she was very motivated. Have you heard of the jigsaw method? No. So this is something I just stumbled across in some readings on engineering education. And basically you create a team of students and you make each one of the them an expert on something. And so if you're trying to tackle a big project, say my Mars colony competition, somebody's the expert on the power system, someone's the expert on the water system, but they need each other for the final product. So they go Mm -hmm. off and they learn and then they come together and they put the pieces of their knowledge and teach each other and help each other. And that sounds exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that makes sense. That's great. I'm going to use that with that student does better if he's presenting in front of others. So yeah. he can master something to teach others. I think that would work really well too. Yeah. So first is autonomy. Second is mastery. The third one is purpose. So like your sister had a purpose of making a difference in slowing this pandemic through the ventilation systems. If you help students, and this is the the thing I was talking about where I just changed how I worded things, help students see that what they're doing affects the greater good. So instead of saying, okay, your invention must solve a problem, I would say, how can you help someone? And that led to so many ideas where people like, oh, uh, my grandma was a, a vet and she had trouble picking up the dogs to get onto a table. So she invented this like blanket thing that is a is belted onto you and you can scoop up an animal and easily lift it onto a table. That was one of the inventions. Oh, wow. Yeah. Another one, her brother broke his arm and couldn't write because it was his dominant arm. Mm. So she invented an attachment that goes onto a cast to help you hold a pencil so that you can write when when you broke your dominant arm. That's so good. Yeah. I love how they made it very specific to their life. Yes. So think about 
your purpose instead of just my task is to get to here. It's like, no, you're really making a difference. I mean, this is a bigger conversation about the school system because Mm. what we do in school is one, you need to get an A on the test. You need to pass the standardized testing. You need to get a job. Like this is the purpose that we drill in our teachers and then in our students of you need to learn these science concepts or whatever math to get a good grade to pass the test, to get a job. Like that is the purpose we give kids. And I don't feel like that's going to really motivate them. It doesn't. (laughs) It doesn't. Yet we still do that. And so that's why we've had a previous episode. I feel like we're going to just link to all of our previous podcast episodes. And this one is (laughs) is just the summary of all of our podcasts. But I talked about last year with my fourth graders, how we built a wheelchair for a little girl Mm -hmm. and the motivation to do that was to help a specific person. And they learned so much through this process because they were motivated to help someone, not just do the things and go through the motions and learn the things because I told you to. So there are so many ways that we can use STEM and these more open-ended projects to really teach students the same concepts that they're learning in the classroom but just motivate them a little bit differently by showing them what really matters and giving them that autonomy to figure things out on their own, giving them that opportunity to master a skill that they want to master because their purpose is to make a difference, which is why we're in school anyway. So yeah, so many great things. And I'm going to put a caveat there because I sometimes, well, It's difficult to make everything empathy driven or like grand challenge. I'm going to save the world. It can be as simple as doing like an exploration activity, a really cool demo that gets curiosity sparked and then kids want to know more. So they're just driven by their own curiosity to learn is a valid motivation. It doesn't have to be to solve a problem because not everybody is going to want to be an engineer and has that mentality to like, I want to know how that works so I can make it better. Some kids might just be naturally curious about the world. And so there's many different types of things I feel that motivate kids. And so again, it doesn't always have to be this grand idea, but it doesn't hurt. Like sometimes just wanting to help somebody. And that's where I love engineering design to really drill home those science and math concepts. That's a great point. And so I'm going to, I'm going to take this down a different track if you're okay with it. <laughs> so because we touched on this in a previous episode, well, that will link in the show notes. I can't remember. Oh, episode 56. I talked a little bit about upstairs, downstairs brain. Right. So when we're talking about motivation, I also think about our emotions. Cause I think a lot of times, especially when you're doing something that deals with failure which is when we're doing these open-ended projects. And if you put too much pressure on this needs to help people, and then I have a lot of students that freak out because they're going to fail at helping somebody. And that gets really personal that they need to be equipped to be able to handle that. So we talk about social emotional learning. And this is a project that I've started doing this year with my lower elementary kids. And I hope to do it with all of them. And I'm going to link in the show notes, a product something that you can use in your classroom and implement it immediately. Just, discussing upstairs, downstairs brain. As I mentioned in the previous episode, episode 56, what that is, is just describing how the parts of your brain work and helping students be able to regulate their emotions. And I know that's something we don't usually talk about in STEM, but I think it is so important. 
So what that means is that you're teaching kids to think of their brain as a house where your cerebral cortex is the upstairs. And that's the part of your brain that it does problem solving and thinking and learning and making decisions. And then the brainstem is your downstairs brain. And that's the part that keeps you safe. So it's all the automatic reactions like breathing, but also controls your really strong emotions that you just react with instead of actually thinking through. So if you think about if you were to go outside and there was a lightning strike that struck a tree right in front of you, you wouldn't stop and think, oh, it's probably not going to hit me because I'm not as tall as that tree. Run! You'd probably just scream and run. Drop. <laughs> or or freeze. I mean, there's the, the three responses, the fight, flight, or freeze mm-hmm. responses that you've heard. So that's what your downstairs brain does. And what I want to teach my students, what we've been working through, is how do you prevent your downstairs brain from breaking the stairs and not communicating with your upstairs brain that actually thinks through and problem solves before you freak out. Mm. And that's what I'm trying to stop how they react to failure. A lot of times is they just shut down. And this happened at the beginning of invention convention where I was trying to get them to come up with ideas. And they're like, I don't have anything. I can't think of anything. This is too hard. And they're done. (laughs) So that's when we took a step back and said, let's talk about how your brain works. Once you know that, maybe we can work on controlling the things that you can control and actually stopping and breathing and thinking. So there's a couple of videos that I'll link to in the show notes, as well as how you can do this in the classroom. But what we did is we read this. There's some really great books out there. There's one called Your Fantastic Elastic Brain by Joanne Deek, and it talks about different parts of your brain and how you can grow parts of it. Growth mindset is what it kind of hints at. And then we discuss the parts of the brain and what they do, and then how to control your emotions. So managing those feelings is really important if you know how your brain works. And what was interesting is, Natasha, we had a bunch of tornadoes that came through my area of Texas, and I think your area too. Mm -hmm. We were huddled in our laundry room. (laughs) Yes. So I had a lot of students who were really scared because we actually had to shut down and take shelter in the middle of the school day. And I had just gone through upstairs, downstairs brain with my kindergartners. And I had a mom reach out to me the next day. And she said, I just need to thank you for whatever this was. I don't understand it. And I need more more questions answered about what upstairs, downstairs brain is. But she said that her kindergartner, who a couple of years ago had sheltered for a tornado that completely demolished two houses on their street. And so she was really afraid of tornadoes. And since she had to shelter at the school, was having a really hard time processing this. But then she remembered upstairs, downstairs brain and what her brain was doing when she got scared. And we, in class, we had made this pop-up card. Have you ever made a pop-up card before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. You take card stock and you fold it like a card, and then you can cut in the middle to make something pop out in the middle of the card. Well, that pop-out part, we made stairs, and then we drew on the inside an upstairs and a downstairs and talked about what emotions happen in each one. Your upstairs brain is the thinking brain. It helps you stop and think. And the downstairs is your keep you safe. It has your flight, 
fright or freeze um, part to it. And so we drew little uh, emojis about what, what your responses are in each. Well, apparently when this tornado was coming through and afterwards, she went home and made another card and she drew on it the be safe at the bottom of the downstairs brain and was drawing pictures of how her brain wanted to react, which she was crying. And so she drew herself crying. And the upstairs brain, she wrote brave and drew like what she should be doing. And it helped her calm down and be able to stop and process and be like, I am doing what I'm supposed to do. My family is with me and I'm safe. So I'm going to be okay. And it helped prevent her from escalating those emotions. And I just thought if a kindergartner can do that, how can we use this with every student to understand how your brain works and control those emotions, overcome your fear of failure and hopefully prevent you from shutting down before getting the chance to process those thoughts. Or any adult, like, I just feel like this is a therapy session (laughs) and a life skills class wrapped into STEM, which is incredible. I love that. And that is such a important or useful tool for not, like you said, failure in the classroom, but experiencing scary things in the world happen. And how can we prepare our students to be successful, not just academically? And that translates so well. What a crazy, I love that story. Yeah. And so that's another more words to be able to use in situations where kids are starting to freak out. You can say, whoa, what what brain are you using upstairs or downstairs? Which one should we use? Makes them stop and think. So, yeah, it's important what we say and how we motivate our students. And I'm excited to continue through this discussion and in other projects. Yeah, well, I'm glad you survived Invention Convention Week, and hopefully you can now take a deep breath and just relax a little bit. I'm sure you have another crazy project coming up, but just breathe for a moment. Enjoy the success and good luck with those debriefs and kind of lessons learned with your students. Until next time, STEM Space out.